Hello and you're very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Lynn Ward, founder of Transport Compliance NI. Welcome to the podcast, Lynn. How are you? Very well, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get into our conversation, Lynn, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of background on Lynn and her company. So based in Northern Ireland and serving the UK and Republic of Ireland, Transport Compliance NI solves compliance and training requirements through their accredited programmes. Their commitment to expertise and quality sets them apart as the leading transport and training provider in Northern Ireland and the border counties. Lynn has an extensive background in the transportation industry spanning over 19 years. She has valuable experience overseeing the management of several large and intricate road haulage companies. Lynn, as a woman working in this industry, are you quite rare? I was at a time, yeah. It was never a thing that women were we're deemed to be, you know, fit for purpose, I suppose, for being this in this sort of role of being in a man's world. I've had to grow tough skin over the years and I've had to battle my way through. But uh, yeah, no, there's a few women and I think nowadays too, it's not as um, uncommon to see women drivers, which is great. Yeah, I love brilliant. to see the, the women coming along and into the industry. It's a brilliant industry to be in. And years ago, it was very heavily male dominated and there is women who have broke through and have been very successful in the industry so I'm one of few nowadays but yes still not as many as what there would be in on the main side. So tell us a little bit about yourself then how did it all start for you where are you from and what did you do at school and all of those things? Um, so I suppose the transport's in my genetics we have our own trucks and I've never known life without trucks my dad's a truck driver has been all his life and developed through his career working for his, his older brothers and then went out on his own and had his own business and it's done very well and we've had quite specialised fleet and done very big projects over the years so I've had that encouragement probably all my life we come from a family of business owners we've always been entrepreneurs it's always been that sort of go where you want to be be something and you want to do something more than just the nine to five and where were you brought up then so I was brought up just outside Bayesburg so just on the cusp of Newry and I've never ventured too far away I've always lived within a few miles of Newry itself and and you say that you know the trucking and the the entrepreneurship is in the DNA. Just what size of family did you have and did everybody go the same way? So it's predominantly, uh, I suppose, if you look at my, my uncles, my dad's side of the family, where they've always had trucks. There's always been some form of truck business on the on the road and it's been throughout my cousins as well. My own family at the moment, uh, I'm one of three, two of them, two of us own businesses. One of the other ones works for my dad as part of the family business. So we're all very much, I suppose, unmanageable as I would describe myself. <laughs> uh, it's hard to go and work for somebody. I think when you have that mindset where you like to do things and you're creative and you want to, you know, aspire to be something more 
than that what you're refrained into that you know job description as I would describe it more so probably. Uh, but before you went out on your own what what did you do? So I worked for for many years in the transport industry as a transport manager. I um, helped my dad that's how this all started. And I, what was that what was the business called? So dad, my dad's business, it's City Transport, it's city local Denuri as well. We do high abs and cranes and anything that needs moving and set back down. We are, we're the people for you. Good, uh, we have to get a, a plug in for dad there. <laughs> I have to get a plug in with dad, surely. City Transport, Kenny's the man. Kenny's the man. Yeah. So, so you worked with him? I you did. worked for him? I was 18, just coming 18, and dad was like, it's time you went off and done one of those transport manager exams. You know, we could need you. We really could do with you here in the business. And... I was like, right, okay. Um, or, uh, and what was your heart saying at the time? I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, really. I, I just sort of, as as you do as a teen, ventured off to a course and got a, a couple of weeks uh, of a wide opening of uh, information and off I went and done my course. And a few months later, I went back. I'd done my national. At that stage, it was different exams. done my national, so that got me my first qualification. I went back a few months later and done my international. Got that one in the bag. And from then, I have never looked back. I have been in transport, managing fleets. I've worked um, throughout the UK. I've worked for very specialised fleets, including directional drilling. I have um, for rigs that move around the globe. We've, wow. I've worked for Scan UK for Global Standards. I've... I um, had quite a quite an interesting career. I've never stayed still. I've never just worked in the office. I've always wanted to do something more interesting. I've always wanted a challenge. And did you move around a lot as well with your work? I am um, predominantly throughout the UK. Yeah, and within Northern Ireland. And there was times where I thought, you know what, I might I might venture off a bit further. Sweden was looking nice at one stage, mm. but uh, no, I have a, had a young family grow, and they were growing up, so it wasn't wasn't ideal. That, that and I have a business, so it's pro- it's probably looking unlikely. I'm moving anywhere too far. But there were good foundations in there, and I mean, you you worked in the industry for over nineteen years, which is is really uh, hard to imagine. So, when did the idea for Transport Compliance NI start? So Transport Compliance NI itself is now coming two years old. So up until that point, 2024 will be, I'll be 20 years since I passed that first exam, since I entered the world of transport. So 2020, Congratulations. 2024 is going to be a big year for me and we're planning to celebrate it. There'll be some things happening within the business too. We'll be, we'll be offering out some special things to celebrate with us. Ooh. So the idea, where, where did that come from? You must have been... You must have been working in the industries and and saw there was a need and thought, I know what I could do. Yeah, absolutely. There was definite need and I was coming across this more and more frequently. I was working as a consultant for for many years before I opened up Transport Compliance NI as a a business. I was working as a freelance consultant and I had been doing this for other people and I was finding that there was just no support. There was people in our industry being left and they were trying to get their way through this massive amount of compliance and legislation and they were finding themselves that they were unable to hire the skilled staff necessary or perhaps they were unable to afford the skilled staff that was necessary. They were maybe only a, fa- a very small family-run business and they didn't have the the money in the pot to go and hire an expert to come in and sit in their office 24-7. So I find that there's a huge amount of need for that even ad hoc basis where somebody can dip in and out where if they need you, 
you're there and they can come and hire you. You can come in, fix their problems, show them how to do it correctly, build a system for them, go through the procedures, find out what help and support they need maybe long term and then bundle that up into a service. And after a few years of, of managing this for, for more and more people, it got to a stage where I was like, do you know what? I could actually put this in a building and we could actually have a business. And this has just continued to grow. And obviously you were well connected and you'd many customers that were sitting there waiting. And I suppose it's just to give a sense for everybody listening that's maybe not in the world of transport or compliance or the transportation industry. Had legislation become much tighter? I mean, obviously, we're very aware of of Brexit and all that that's meant for transportation on the island of Ireland. And I know that's not quite the area that you work in. But just tell us what it's like to keep yourself on the right side of the law if you have such a business. It's very hard, sir, unless you are very well educated in the world of legislation and you keep yourself up to date on a daily basis, you would very easily fall off the wagon of compliance and if your business requires you to be there 24 7 to try and drive it forward to look after your drivers to look at where the next work's coming in where the payments are coming in how you're paying the fuel bill this week that's not necessarily top of your list and if you are managing your business and you're not looking after the compliance when something happens at roadside which we find quite often somebody a driver is out on his daily task and he's just going about his business and he gets pulled in by VOSA they find there's problems with your vehicle and who are VOSA? VOSA are the the, the vehicle enforcement agency that we have that are, work throughout the modern predominantly in the UK they're much much more highly present here now than they've ever been so it's like DVA work along with them as well so it's so roadside enforcement basically for the vehicles you'll see them often stopping pulling, tr- pulling trucks in and what are they looking for? so they're looking for defective vehicles so they're looking for vehicles that aren't maintained. So they're looking for tyres that aren't um, road legal measurements. They're looking for any oil leaks. They're looking for problems with the vehicle's lights, with the vehicle's roadworthiness, whether it would pass an MOT or not. They're looking for the driver as well to make sure he has all his documentation. They're looking to make sure the vehicle's head in the truck, the tachograph head is downloaded. They're wanting to make sure the driver's card has been downloaded. They'll also analyse data on site at roadside and make sure that there's no infringements so the driver hasn't been working longer than he should be or that he's been taking his breaks and that when he's on that shift that day he's legally entitled to do so so there's quite a lot can go wrong at roadside and and that could be crippling for a business absolutely because that then snowballs back to the to the owner and that may not only affect that one truck so if you've been stopped and you've had a vehicle that's been defective they'll give you not only a um a fine but you may also be given a prohibition which means your vehicle can't be used so then they may pick they may pick this up then when back at the office as well and ask for to have all the data for other vehicles other drivers that may want other materials so inspections frequencies any material that they find that they may want in their inquiry they it could show then that there's more defective vehicles in your fleet more non-compliances and that could lead you then swiftly being taken to a public inquiry gosh so it's a roadside very costly and very bad for your reputation going forward yes and as an operator they have a license that they have 
a huge amount of legislation that's tied to and if you don't abide by that then you will lose your operator license and if you lose it that's your business Gosh. gone you can't then move those trucks so it's 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 very high risk being stopped roadside being non-compliant and uh, compliance is one of those words that people seem to think oh gosh loads of paperwork huge minefield don't know where to begin don't know where to end and that's really where you come in so you take that pressure away and that worry away but just tell the person listening to this that's thinking mm, well I might give them a call why they should call you we have we have been in this industry a very long time. There's nothing we haven't seen. We know exactly how to do things correctly. We have streamlined processes to do so. So you, we just take it away. And we said to people, you just go and look and concentrate about your business. Let us do all of the hard work. We know what we're doing. To us, it's not hard work. We can do this externally. We can be an integral part of your business. And at any stage, you can lift the phone and speak to us. You can email us. You can contact us throughout the month if you have any concerns. We'll update you as and when we need to. Make sure that you've always got notifications coming through the vehicles that maybe are GMOT. We'll give you plenty of notice to get those booked in. Driver's cards needing downloaded, data infringements, MOT appointments, tax, all of that sort of stuff. We'll be giving you all of the notifications. All you need to do is the task. So that's incredible. Um, how much does it cost then to, to use you in this way? It's much more affordable than hiring a staff member that you're paying on payroll. So we look at it as it being a very cost effective way to manage your business. So we're starting prices with us, for instance, started like £275 a month plus the VAT for a very small um, service but it obviously would then depend on how many vehicles and how many drivers and how many hours a month we would be you know your dedicated provider but it's much more effective if you look at how much it would cost a skilled professional to come in and sit nine to five Monday to Friday mm -hmm. and on a salary our services are much more affordable they're much more streamlined we, you don't have that person in your office you don't even have to worry about it we do all your filing we do it's all automated so we do all digital filing we keep all your records we speak to your drivers we speak to the parts of your team that need spoken to at the time for whatever task it is so we just literally slot in and you never have to worry it sounds uh, brilliant now bring us back to the side of the road and vosa and the driver that's been pulled over if you have been involved with that driver what do, does he then hand over to the person that's doing the checking to say everything's in order? So at roadside, if the voter were checking him, he would have to have his office license with him, have to have a driver's CPC card with him. It's against the law not to carry one. And he would also have to have a digital tachograph card. So on, at roadside, he would need to be presenting three different types of cards. Two of them would be his driving license part and one would be to gather the data from the vehicle and his driving time that day as a driver. He works under EU legislation and that stipulates how many hours per week he can legally work. So that card records all of the active minutes of his job. So when he starts in the morning till he leaves it in the evening and everything he's done during the day. So Gosh. that is like a fingerprint basically to that 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 man. So Boza are very keen to download that roadside to see what you've been doing. So you would have that all in check and make sure that every single driver that's operating through the company you're working with yeah. is fully compliant. Yes, and we, we, we also offer driver CPC training. So when our clients um, have drivers with driver CPC requirements, we would then also each year be um, providing them with training to ensure each year they were 
topping up their hours to renew at the end of the five year period each five years a driver has to renew his card and to do so he has to have had 35 hours of training in that five year period at seven hour intervals so during the during the five years we'll monitor the training the drivers have had to ensure that the driver doesn't lapse that his card doesn't go out of date and that he's not then stopped roadside with an out-of-date card, basically. So we keep, obviously, the employer up to date as well. We'll let them know whose cards are running out of date, what things need to be updated, how they need to be trained in order to get that, or how many hours remain in the have as well. So we're, we're, we do form a pretty integral, tight little team. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking of the amount of technology and data you must uh, have access to. How much has technology allowed you to deliver this service? Oh, it's been unbelievable. Like we have fleets that are around the world and we have automated remote downloaders in the heads. and The data comes in every night at midnight. So each day we open our computer screens, we can see what that driver did yesterday, where that vehicle was, what it did, when it stopped, when it started. We can see all of that. It's fascinating. It's absolutely amazing what we can do. Her drivers never get a second. No, no. We don't have cameras though, (laughs) so it's just just data. It's a tough life. It it? is tough life for a driver. It's tough life. It's a tough industry, to be Mm. honest, Sarah. You know, it's not for the faint hearted. It's very highly monitored, very highly regulated, and it comes with a lot of, you know, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And why has it become so heavily regulated? Is it health and safety? Is it improper uh, use of, of, you know, lorries to transport whatever? Yeah, I think um, the UK was always deemed to be a much harsher environment and they see us here, as they would call us themselves, the Wild West. They (laughs) seen us as being a non-compliant area of the UK and they were driving home the fact that we needed to start you know, rising to the occasion here and getting ourselves tidied up. Fleets that maybe weren't just 100% maybe maintained, weren't taken care of properly, drivers that weren't recording their data, drivers and, you know, owners just not being... 100% 100% within the legislation and they've always maybe slipped about and never really came to light but nowadays it's, that's a thing of the past. Now it's a necessity. Um, you said you've only been up and running for, for two years which is absolutely incredible and yet you're talking about fleets that are all over the world. Tell us about how many customers you have now, how many clients so we're we're always keen to grow, and we've got uh, we've got new staff in the office that's recently came on board, which has helped me dramatically. And we have goals each month. Like this goal this month is to take on twenty new clients for our fleet management services. So in a month, in a month, yeah, we like to be ambitious. Wow. So okay, so what are we talking numbers wise? So customers? some of these fleets can have a uh, one vehicle, and some of them could have up to maybe 18, 20, 25 trucks. Wow. So you, it, it really does vary, and it really does vary on where they're located as well some of them are very local they may never leave northern ireland other ones maybe north south other ones might then be um continental and might be very mixed fleets so it just all depends really on the customer that we have but we um are trying our best to continue to grow and provide the best service that we can for and our as clients I, s- I said at the start that obviously we're very aware of brexit and the issues around, you know, freedom of transport over the border and into the EU and all of those things. This is something that you don't deal with 
directly, but you're very aware of the impact that it's had on your customers. Yeah, we don't do customs clearance and it's not an area we ever wish to delve into. There's people, there's horses for courses and <laughs> I let them at it. Did you not there's, see an opportunity there? No, I don't think um, it's for me. I like the compliance. I like the legal side of things. Customs and clearance is very much a day to day. You have to be in that environment and you have to do it day in, day out. It's just when it came in at the start, it was an absolute minefield. Nobody knew how to fill out these forms online. Nobody knew what the codes were for the right goods that they were transporting. It just became an absolute logistical nightmare. Mm-hmm. And there was companies that did specialise in it and that seen the opportunity and grew a complete department but on their business that done customs clearance. Not to name anybody because I don't want to. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But there is um, specialist. Um, companies out there that do this for you should you not be able to wasn't for me no I like the I like the nitty gritty day to day law and compliance stuff rather than the customs so you talked about uh, other people coming into the office now so tell us what a typical day in the life looks like for you right now how many people do you have working for you what do you do of your day so at the moment we're a team of six and we have some freelancers as well so we will depend on what work we've got on the the, the team can be quite big some weeks there could be a lot going on so we do the training at this uh as, as a part of the business as well i've slowly sort of regressed out of that slightly and tried to be more hands-on with the public inquiries and with the clients that really need help and support that my specialist field you know lends better to so we try and utilize the professionals we have within the business that will do maybe more of the on-site trains we do some machinery training we do transport manager training we do which will be the future me hopefully someday yes. we train them up pass their exams send them out to the big bad world and and then you can they, be sitting in your sun lounger somewhere they learn pina colada. I, well that's the dream sir <laughs> that's the dream so we do some training and for me it could be anything from being in the office all day back to back meetings I could be doing consultations with clients building case packs for public inquiries that are coming up I could be dealing with new clients on the phone or on a zoom to, that that have come in over the weekend or over the start of the week with new, new cases that are coming up and then obviously managing the team seeing who's who's going where what's happening this week what we need to do we need to we've just built a new website which was which was fun I had a look last night Did and you? it was very good yes uh, it was fun times um, <laughs> oh yes I know I've built my own website too it's a, yeah, definitely go to people who can do it better than you yeah yeah there was somebody built it but then you know yourself sometimes you still have to go in and you have to fine tune it and it. some of the some of the the wording that you wouldn't necessarily have have put it towards the, yes. the internet you know I've had to retract a few things and oh. tweak it back up again just so it makes a bit more sense but yeah it's yeah. Uh, been fun so we've had lots of stuff going on and hopefully on a big marketing buzz now over the next few weeks with the launch of our new website and sort of going heavy on the looking for these new clients to help and support. And can you believe how far you've come from back in your transport manager days to running this hugely successful business? I mean, you've talked about actually preparing for public inquiries, for goodness sake. Yeah, I think it's um, just sort of slowly crept up on me. And I thought after we had had COVID and we've had, you know, we've had such a rough time. I thought there's just no way I'm going to grow. And this is, you know, it's going to be really hard. And it actually just took off. I had lots of existing clients, which I think really helped. My industry reputation really helped 
and getting out there networking going on to I've been on I'm on an accelerator program at the moment I was on one last year and I found the help and support from other founders and other entrepreneurs that have been in the same place have been you know absolutely incredible the support and that just being able to as a sounding board sometimes you know to have that what did you do Mm -hmm. you know when you came across this obstacle how did you get past it and people are so freely willing to give you their time and it's extraordinary that it that they, that, they do, that they do do this and it's know, for free it's, it's such a supportive environment I think yeah. especially if people who've seen you build the business and they know what it was like themselves they're so willing to share yeah um, what has been the biggest challenge for you setting up your business the biggest the biggest challenge I suppose was the believing in myself I think that's everybody has that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. when you get up in the morning and you go to work and you think to yourself people actually pay me and you know and you think to yourself some days like is this actually mine mm-hmm. did I actually build this is it is it being so successful what's going to happen you know you're always in that that mindset what's going to happen it can't always go good you know surely why is that do you think well you've just said it, you're always thinking mm-hmm. it's like you don't want to jinx yourself you don't want to yeah. get ideas above your station yeah. is that to do with the way we've been conditioned I think it's just maybe me as a person. I think the imposter syndrome will probably never leave. I am a trucker's daughter. I am self-made. You know, I haven't got any of these big, you know, high-flying, you know, office block buildings with hundreds of staff. I'm still quite small, still grounded. And I'm just always appreciate. I really appreciate every customer that comes through my door. And I always probably will. And I hope I always will. And you can see how emotional that right. is, that the people do believe in you. Yeah. And they know that you can do it. It's just, as you say, the self-belief piece. Yeah. Um, and there have been so many people who've sat in that chair where you are today who've said exactly the same thing and fearing, is it all going to end tomorrow? Yeah. And you always are at the back of your mind going, you know, maybe not not take on that extra staff member because that's, you know, that's a big that's a big mm-hmm. chunk of money every month or maybe we won't move or maybe we won't do this because you're always trying to think of what could go wrong but sometimes you have to sit back and go do you know what just just jump just I'm a great believer in jumping and taking that leap and hoping that the net appears because well, if you don't you never know business is all about risk isn't it yeah. and uh you know you've got to take the risks yeah. and again the people who've sat there and have done so well are the people who've, who've taken the risks and you know what sometimes it doesn't always go brilliantly but you learn so much from every risk that you take yeah and they're always calculated you always have to yes. make sure that you weigh up the options and sometimes you could deliberate for days and never get anywhere and other times you just have to as the the entrepreneur mindset you just have to sometimes take a reality check and go do you know what do you really want to do this if you do just do it because if you don't you'll never know what's going to be the outcome well exactly and I, I don't want to keep going on about being a woman working in this industry but I'm just wondering what's the reaction been from clients and customers dealing with a woman in this industry has it been challenging it has been for years yeah recent up, up recent times no not so much because I think as again people I would say predominantly 90% of my work comes from from referrals which is brilliant because people are landing at my door knowing that I've done a good job mm-hmm. for somebody that they have known mm-hmm. so I have already broke down that barrier they're not coming to see me and they don't know me 
So, you know, they've already got a bit of an understanding about who I am and what I did for somebody else before they come to me. So I find that to be good. And I honestly very rarely see women. It's always men. All my clients are mostly men and I don't have any problems with them. They all come to me needing support. And when they have it and they're going home after a public inquiry, sweating, thinking, I never want to do that again. You know, they always are very appreciative and they're all always more than happy to employ me again. I've never had the, I, well, you know, is there a man coming to see me or a man coming to represent me? They've good. never, they've never, I've never had, it's never happened. Well, that's good to hear, isn't it? And good to know. And maybe that is, is the future. Back to the public inquiries. I know you've got confidentiality and you can't talk about these things, but do you firefight on behalf of people? I mean, yeah. people haven't worked yet. Yeah. yeah. So you, they don't have to have been your existing client. No, we get new clients coming through our doors all the time. They've been stopped roadside. They've had an audit by DVN failed and they are now subject to a public inquiry, which will then decide the fate of their license, basically. So they'll come to me saying, look, we know that you're an industry expert. We know that you've helped other people like me. Would you have time to take us on as a case? We'll send you across all our documentation, read through it, have a, then I'll I'll have a have a juke, see what they're doing. I have uh, morals like everybody else. Yeah, you know? I was going to say it sounds like being a lawyer, really, mm. and it's yeah, part of partly yeah, it's very much be like being a lawyer because you're building a case, you're trying to look at where the information's coming from that's causing them to go to public inquiry and then we're trying to mitigate the risk as well so we're trying to implement procedures and implement stuff on the behalf of the client before they get to the court before they get to public inquiry so we have a, a case in place to say but look this is no longer a problem we've fixed it and we've you know we've contracts in place we're now going to represent this client going forward and we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again and the TRU down in Belfast and I and, and my business have TRU. a TRU yes Transport Regulatory Unit okay yep so, just keep me right <laughs> yeah we have Traffic Commissioner over in the UK right. and we have the, tra- the TRU here in Belfast so they are basically the the overall deciding factors on anybody in Northern Ireland who have operator license, they control whether you will or will not operate. Wow, I had no idea. Um, if you don't know an industry at all, it's 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 just well, it's totally enlightening, but it's um, yeah, it can be very scary as well. As you yeah. said, there you've got morals. So I'm thinking somebody sitting there in front of you, and you think you don't have a leg to stand on. No, not necessarily not a leg to stand on. If they've done like. Uh, the moral thing I suppose if you've been doing drugs or you've been people trafficking something really serious mm. there's definitely you and I will never have a business relationship I you know I won't take on cases like that if it's just general lacking of the knowledge understanding they maybe were trying their best didn't really know what they were doing that's more more of my clients that's kind of about 90% of them will come to me and say look I was trying my best and I really didn't know what I was doing. And now I've got all of this paperwork in front of me and I haven't a clue. Can you please help me? So in courts normally, it's like, well, ignorance isn't a defence. So how do you convince those listening to the case that, you know, give give them a second chance here? Yeah, again, that comes down really to having that customer relationship. We go in depth and find out everything about what they've been doing. For the last year or two years, we want to know everything about their business. We want to understand how they do stuff to keep people in their business that was responsible for these tasks, if at all. And then we look at, right, okay, well, this is what we think happened. And then we'll present the case with a lawyer on site and we'll say, like, you know, this client was doing this, but they 
we're lacking on this and we just have to put our hands up sometimes and say do you know what wasn't the best they, then I know that they want a second chance we need to have some structure and some you know policies and procedures put in place here to make sure this doesn't happen again which is where we have the management system with our business we can say look have trust in us that the, our client might not be able to know everything but we definitely do and, and do you provide the lawyer or do they get the lawyer or what way does that I, work? Um, we work with a local lawyer here. So usually cases will come in through the solicitor and then they'll either contact me or the cases come to me and I'll contact the, the solicitors. They're more than welcome to get their own. But again, it's a very specialist field. Not every lawyer will take on a transport case because they may not have the depth of understanding necessary to represent them to the, you know, to the right extent so it's dependent if I think they've hired somebody that I wouldn't have hired I'll, I'll always say look I think I could get you another lawyer that maybe would be better but it's entirely up to themselves but yes it's a hard case to present when somebody's been in the wrong but sometimes honesty is the best the best way and look at not analyzing what's happened but more or less putting in place a clear path to what we can do going forward and not look back and what do you love most about this job? Is it when you win these cases? Absolutely. That's the best buzz ever. Um, I love helping people and I think it's it's part of my personality as well. I don't like to see people in in the position where they're losing their business. We've been to public inquiries and people have lost their licences. Families going home, mother and father and son, for instance. I had a case a way back. Uh, the, son, the son was driving for them. The mother and the father owned the business. And the TRU gave them three months to wrap up. Oh, my word. And there was a whole family put out of work, put out of business. Their son was the next generation coming along. That was his future, now knocked as well. And, and there's nothing they can do to get that back? No, they would have to start again. And they disqualified the, the mum from being a transport manager, so she'll never have a career back in transport. And it can go wrong. It's not all roses. It's not all, hire me and I'll come and fix all your problems. It's, we'll do our very best to get you back where you need to be. And whatever conditions come with it, we'll, we'll manage them. But our best outcome is that you do not lose your licence and your ability to work. And anything else after that is a win. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. I mean, it's just lovely to see someone who's so passionate about what they do and passionate about helping others who run their business. What do you think has been your biggest achievement to date, Lynn? Um, my biggest achievement was always having staff. That was where I wanted to be. I wanted to be big enough where I could afford to have staff. I always say to people, I would, I just will know I've made it when I have somebody in my office to answer the phone. <laughs> and it's not just me. And that was my, I would say to date, that's my biggest, it's also my, my biggest ally because now the business can grow and I now have support. It's not just me. I can't be everything to everybody and I have to allow people to come on board with me and be the company. And I think that's my biggest, my biggest achievement to date is to have staff and have a, have a little business that's now growing. And what about work-life balance? Work-life balance isn't always easy. Does does be hard. I'm, I've got better. I've definitely got better. The first year was very hard because I was very much doing most of the work by myself. And it was very hard, very long days. Going home at night at maybe 10 o'clock, taking my laptop everywhere. And I just had to, uh, after I used to get burnout, and I just had to take a step back and say, Do you know what, I have to leave this office. I cannot let people, you know, have me 24-7 because they will. And you have to put in a time frame when you stop work. And, and how was that affecting home life? 
Um, my kids are all grown now, thankfully. So it's, what ages are they? The youngest is nearly sixteen. So I've one coming. How many do you have? Three. Wow. I've my middle one's coming seventeen. He got my genetics, unfortunately, and all he wants to do is see the day that he can get a truck license. <laughs> he is counting down the days, and isn't that lovely? The other two have no interest, thankfully. The eldest boy never, never not yet, never not yet. No, the eldest boy no doesn't like trucks. No interest in them. Likes cars. He's an electrician. There's no interest in trucks, which I was delighted with. And the next one, no, he just will not listen. He just has my DNA and my dad's DNA and all he wants to do is drive trucks. And unfortunately, I can't can't change him. I'm sure they're very proud of their mum. Well, I'd like to think so. And I think it gives them maybe a good ethic as well to look back on and think, you know what, my mum, as a single parent, went out and grafted and built a business and yeah. has staff and has been and done what you wanted to do in life and she hasn't just settled in a nine to five where it would have been easier with having kids and having, you know, single mum life. It's very hard to manage, but if you don't I just got to a stage where I, I tell people all the time I'm unmanageable. I just feel so restricted in a nine to five job where I'm given a task and a job role and I find that I'm not fulfilled. So I would like my children to do that if they feel the calling at some stage to go out on their own or to build a business. I would be 100 percent on board, even Mm -hmm. if it didn't work out, because I think it learned you a lot of life lessons Mm -hmm. when you have to graft for where your money's coming from every week. And it's not just punched in on an hourly rate and you get a check at the end of the week. Absolutely. I mean, and you just strike me as someone who could never be a caged bird. You needed that freedom to fly, the freedom to build transport compliance NII. And you've pointed to the fact that you're kind of coming up to 20 years in this industry, two years since you started transport compliance NI. But what's next? What's next? So we have hopefully we're we're moving premises this um, this side of Christmas which wasn't on the cards, but it's necessary. So we're moving to new premises. We're hoping these will be our long-term home and allow for some more growth and development. In the new year, we would like to upgrade our um, our digital systems. We're working on some stuff with that at the moment. And we are continuing to look at how we can help our clients and how best to move the business forward. We think digital and a lot more of that sort of aspect of the digital contributions may be necessary and maybe enjoyable as well so we are not at all uh, finished we're watch this space absolutely and there could be people listening now that think i would like to be part of that journey i'd like to work with her so yeah Hopefully you'll get a few calls after uh, this podcast edition if anybody uh, tunes in. But before I let you go, the final question, the one I ask to everyone, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to start or grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as Transport Compliance NI. So finally, Lynn, what advice would you give people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? I am, my first port of call would always be source and find uh, a programme near you with other like-minded individuals. So some form of an accelerator programme or a very early stage accelerator programme that you could get on board with. Have specialist mentors that will guide you through those first initial steps to getting yourself actually out of your mind I find that's the hardest bit getting out of your mind and onto actual paper sometimes when you can see it 
on paper and you can then move it to the next step. I think having a mentor, having somebody nearby that can you can actually reach out to and get help because if you procrastinate, you'll always procrastinate. Just get out there, get yourself signed up, get on a program. There's loads available. I went on a waking hub last year, all I all island female entrepreneur accelerator program, and it was brilliant. I've met women from all over the world, all over the island, and all different sectors of the of industries, and it's been fantastic. And again, this year, even though I'm now two years in. I've went on another business accelerator program to try and grow and scale. And if I don't think you'll ever do it fully by yourself if you don't have that initial mentorship. Just that wee bit of guidance, that wee bit of support and a wee bit of help and a wee bit of a nudge. Sometimes you can do great things when you get it out of your mind. And that network just to have your back. Lynn Ward, founder of Transport Compliance NI. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you today and I'm sure everyone has enjoyed tuning in. Thank you so much to Lynn for joining me today and you can join me on the next episode where I will have in the studio with me Russell McQuillan, co-founder of Clevernet for yet another edition of the Public Eye podcast. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.